Hello, everyone. It is Podcast 211. You know, we tend to like things that are easy for us. You know, we learn this very early on as children, don't we? Whatever subject you liked in school was probably something that you were good at, right? So I found out early on that I really liked writing stories. I liked English because it was creative and I had a lot of freedom and I could take the story anywhere. And it was great, it was easy. And so when we would get these writing assignments, you know, I'd think, good, this is something I can do. And of course, there were lots of other people around me that would just sort of groan with dismay. And, uh, but I was like, why would you not like this? You know, this is fun. Why would you not like it? But then if I was in a math class, that scary, unknown world of math, it's like, yeah, this is not easy for me at all. I don't like this. So all that to say, we have these, we have these, we tend to like things that come easily to us. That we're, if we're good at something, if we can catch on easily, if we can master something, yeah, we like it. Now, one of the teachings of Jesus, and maybe this is, maybe it's like a warning, but one thing he teaches us is that, I mean, it's kind of off-putting. He says, following my way of living is anything but easy. He says it's, it says it's very challenging. It's very difficult. He says it won't come naturally to you. And uh, one of the warnings, I, I actually, we never, ever tell people this. For the most part, we don't really say to people, you should consider the cost before you start to get interested in following Jesus' way. We never really say this, you know. He did, though. He did. He, would, he, would, he said this a lot. He'd say, you need to consider the cost before you say yes to my way of living because it's, it's hard. And, uh, and to his first people, he said, you might even die, which some of them did. You know, given their context and the land that they lived in. And... But down throughout the ages, you know, this teaching, obviously some of us are not gonna die here in California or in the, this particular part of the country, right? The world. But he also said things like, your family might turn against you. I think that happens or your family doesn't understand, or your friends don't understand. It's like, what's wrong with her? And so one of the things that Jesus said was, is look, before you start to get interested in growing up and following my way, you, you should consider this. You should consider the cost because the cost is high and it doesn't just happen. Because really what's going to happen is you're going to have to change your ways. And you're, we already know this. It's really hard to change our ways, isn't it? Like we all know this. Uh, but this is what he wants us to know up front. This is what he would tell his disciples, his students up front, 
When you get to that point in your life that something's got to change. And by the way, this is usually when people get interested in spiritual things. Uh, it's usually people get interested in their emotional lives and their spiritual lives when their life is falling apart for the most part, right? For the most part. So when you get to the point in your life that something's got to change and that something is me, Jesus tells us up front, now, look, don't get too discouraged when the going gets tough. Because I'm going to lead you and I'm going to show you a new way to live and think and be in the world. But it's going to be hard because you're so very set in your ways. So it's one of the warnings that he gives. If you want to follow, that's great. But just be warned. It's going to be hard. I'll open up a whole new world to you. Uh, it will open up a whole new world of how you view yourself, how you view other people. Uh, you'll not regret it, but it's hard. It's hard, but it's good. It's hard, but it's good. Actually, you know, there's so many things in life that are hard, but they're good. You know, when you think about it, you know, it's like being in a, a lifetime commitment it's like being married for a long time. Or you're partnered for a long, long time. If you've been married or partnered for a long, long time, and somebody said to you, so is it really easy? You know, is it really easy being in this lifetime commitment? Nobody after a few years is going to say, yeah, yeah, it's a piece of cake, no problem at all. They're going to say, no, it's not necessarily easy, but it's good. I wouldn't want it any other way. Right? Everybody's going to say this. It's like raising children. If you've ever raised any children, if somebody said to you, you know this, it, let me ask you, is it easy raising children? Like, is it just really, you know, you'd say, no, it's not easy. It's one of the most challenging things I've ever taken on in my life, but I wouldn't change it for the world. It's, it's hard, but it's good. It's that kind of thing when we talk about following Christ. It's like, I wouldn't change it for the world, but it's hard. But it's really, really good. I think many things fall into this category, anything meaningful. Like if you've had a job or that's really meaningful to you and it's important to you. Um, like if somebody said to me, so Glenda, is it easy to write a sermon each week? Is it easy to come up with these teachings? It's like, mm, not really, not really, not, not every week it's not. It's, sometimes it's quite hard, but it's good, right? Most worthwhile things are challenging. You know, they push you a bit. I mean, if they don't push you, then you get bored, right? So most worthwhile things uh, do require more of you than what you think you have sometimes. But that's also what makes it so fulfilling. So that's what I want to talk about today, this whole idea of um, 
It's hard, but it's good. It's hard, but it's good. Now, here's the, here's the line that Jesus gives. And it's a confusing one, but hopefully it will be less confusing uh, now that I've just given you all these examples. He said, if anybody wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow. Now, obviously, this is like uh, the sifting process. So the context is he's got a lot of people following after him at this point. This is like in the third year of his outreach. He's done a lot of teaching. He's done a lot of healing. Um, and, you know, anytime people get something from you in some way, they want more. They're really interested. So there's a mixed crowd following Jesus. There's the, there's the 12, the, the ones that he chose, the serious ones. And then there's a whole bunch of people who just want to come and see what's going on and listen and maybe get to see a miracle or a healing or, you know, stuff like that. So there's many, many different types of people. So there is a sifting that begins near the end of his ministry, his outreach, because he's only, he's only here for the three years. And by the end of that third year, he starts to sort of warn people, almost discourage them from following. So near the end of his time with his disciples, he warns them in advance, and he starts to say things that are very, very off-putting to them, as they would be to us. He says things like, you know, I'm going to go through a time of great suffering. It's going to happen soon. And I'm going to be tried and found guilty by the chief priests, that's the religious leaders. That's a whole other story there that's fascinating that it's the religious ones that want him dead. It's all about power and control though. But he says to them, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be found guilty by the chief priests. I'm going to end up on a cross, which means I'm going to be, I'm going to die. And after three days, I'll rise up again alive. So it's all out there. He's very, very upfront with the suffering that he has to go through. Now, as I've mentioned before, it's always interesting to me that nobody seems to question about this three days rise up again, because you would think that might be, what's well, like, what does that mean? What do you mean by, and after three days you'll be raised up? What does that even mean? Nobody even asked that question. They don't even ask it. All they're concerned about, all they hear is, I'm going to be tried, I'm going to be found guilty, and there's going to be some suffering involved. I'm going to die, right? I'm going to be leaving you. And so it's all out there. Jesus is very, very clear. This is not going to be easy. This is what's going to happen. I'll end up suffering. I'll end up dying. It's not the end of the story, but I'm going to go through this. And of course... Obviously, don't blame him. Peter, one of his right-hand men, objects to this because he doesn't want him to suffer, right? So it's like, why would you even want to do that? 
And Jesus is saying, you know, Peter, you don't understand. You don't understand. There's no other way. There's no other way. Actually, there's no other way for me and there's no other way for you. If you want to follow, you want to be true to yourself. If you want to change, if you want to grow, there's some suffering involved. It's the way the whole thing is set up. Now, he speaks about this in many, many different ways, but, and so does the Apostle Paul. But it's this idea that you have to die to the old way of being and living and take on a new way. It's like he gave parables about seeds and the seed has to die. The seed has to cease becoming a seed before it become, become a plant, right? It's like the acorn doesn't stay an acorn. If it's planted and it's nurtured, it grows into an oak. It's changed. The acorn in a way dies. It's no longer there. I mean, a part of it's there. But it changes because it grows into an oak. So, in this sort of metaphorical language, Jesus says, <clears throat> you know, with his disciples, and it's the same with us, and in order to change, there has to be a death. There has to be a death to something before something new can come. It's like the winter and the spring, right? Something died in winter, like you look in your garden, something's, everything's gone, it's dead, or it's hidden. And then it starts to peek through, new life. But you can't get the new life without the winter. You can't, you can't have the, the spring without the winter. Okay, it's similar in our lives. It's similar in our lives. There is a suffering involved before there can be any meaningful change. Like, for example, let's say I want to be less anxious or less needy. You say, yeah, I would. I would really like to be less anxious or needy. Say, good, okay. Let's say I want to be less impatient and angry, okay. Well, is it possible? Yes, it is. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Because you'd have to die to a whole way of living and being and thinking that you've practiced up your entire life, right? So it's going to be hard. That's going to cause you some suffering, isn't it? Let's say I'd like to let go and enjoy life more and, and, and not be so weighed down by everything. I'm always so responsible and working so hard and I, I wish I could lighten up. Can I? Yeah, you could. You can. But you're going to have to die to that old way of living. Let's say I, I would really like to be a better parent. I want to be a better partner. I want to be a better spouse. Well, yeah, you're going to have to change then, right? If there's things that you're doing that are stopping you, then there's going to be some change. 
And it can be in anything, you know. It's like, I wish I wasn't always looking over the fence and wanting what somebody else had. I wish I was more content. I wish I could just be content with what I have. I wish I could not compare all the time. Well, Jesus is into all of this. This is just basic transformation, right? This is, this is basic faith 101. It's all about changing. I want to be braver. I want to take a risk more. I'm tired of getting everyone's approval. I'm tired of, being, I'm tired of not being able to say no to someone. I don't want to live this way anymore. It's exhausting. I don't like it. Yeah, well, come and follow. And I'll show you how to live in freedom, Jesus says. I'll show you how to drop the baggage. But you need to know in advance that it's not a piece of cake and it's not that easy. Is it possible? Absolutely, yes, it's possible with the help of God. But it's not always easy, which is why a lot of people just give up, really, it's why a lot of people, you know, why are people, you might look around, you think, how come nobody's really interested in, in, in growth and change and transformation? And how come nobody has any spiritual interest? But how come they're just all just kind of plodding on doing what they do? Because change is hard. It's hard. Because Jesus asks us to go beyond our natural, habitual, Habits and responses. Yeah, whoever ever wants to follow me, they need to pick up their cross and follow. Whoever wants to follow me, pick up their cross, meaning be prepared to die to it. What's it? Well, that would depend the thing that is depleting you, the thing that is diminishing your life, the thing that is exhausting you, the thing that's depressing you, the thing that is, it doesn't feel like abundant life to me. Yeah, well, these are the things that Jesus says, yeah, you pick up your cross and one by one, with my help, we're killing all that off. We're putting it to death. So, you know, at some level, this seems just impossibly difficult because we're, we're just going against our whole OS, right? Our whole operating system. We're just going against the whole thing. It's like, you know, this is my personality. It's like, yeah, well, your personality doesn't always uh, serve you well. You're not hostage to your personality. You're not hostage to your wounds. It's like, well, how can I not be who I am? Because in Christ, you become a new creation. A new creation. It's like, there's great lines from the Apostle Paul, you know, I'm a new creation in Christ. Behold, the old is gone. You know, here's the new. But it can only be done through, the, through dependence. There, there is no other way to, there's no other way to receive this kind of freedom. It, it does, it always is painful. 
It always uh, requires a willingness to let go, which obviously is suffering. If you've been one way your entire life, and uh, like just something simple, like say you want to forgive someone, and you think that you should forgive someone, but you can't do it because you've got all your reasons for not doing it. That even the thought of it, the thought of not judging anymore, the thought of uh, releasing uh, your judgments on that person, even the thought of releasing it causes you a particular kind of suffering, doesn't it? So it's like, yeah, it does. But you know what? This is what has to die. This need to hold on and sort of nurse all our reasons why we justify not forgiving. Now, you can just go down the categories. might not be about forgiveness for you. It might be about something completely different. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's always the same process, whatever issue we're dealing with. So it's so like, yeah, you have to learn how to pick up your cross and follow. Have a willingness to change. If it's tripping you up, whatever it is, if it's tripping you up, that means it's hurting you. If it's hurting you, that means it's also hurting others. Is damaging your relationships. So it's like, yeah, that's what we would want to take a look at. That might be something that needs to die. You know, if it's not helping you, you know, what's the point in keeping it? What's the point in keeping it? There's none. So at the front end, though, just fascinating, isn't it, that at the front end, Jesus says, now, I... Come and follow me. I mean, he's always encouraging us to come and follow. But it's like, but before you do, just, just know this. This is going to be really, really, really hard. So when you start the process, and I'll be with you, I'll help you. So you're not in this by yourself. Maybe halfway through the process, you'll start to think, oh, this is, I, I can't do this. This is too hard. You know what? I'm always going to be an envious person. I'm not, this is the way I've been my whole life. I've always been an unforgiving person. This is the way I'm going to be my whole life. I'm always going to be worried about things. Or whatever it is. It's like, no, 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 no. That's where we have to stop ourselves and say, no, said I was going to follow. I know that God is with me. I know that God is giving me help in this. And I am a new creation in Christ. I am a new creation in Christ. You know, the important thing I think to remember is this isn't like therapy and there's nothing wrong with therapy. But you know, when you're in therapy, you're sort of working things through by yourself, right? You're with your counselor, you're working things through. Uh, 
this is a little bit different because God doesn't expect us to be able to do any of this inner work alone. That's why he said, I'm going to give you a helper because there's no way that you're going to be able to do this by yourself. No way at all. So I'm giving you a helper. And that helper's got many different names. Sometimes it's called the breath of God. Sometimes the spirit of God. Sometimes the Holy Spirit. Whatever. Many different names. All we need to know is, is that this presence and power and breath is in us and helping us with whatever it is that is tripping us up. And there's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Whatever we have to die to, whatever is taking life away from us, yeah, Holy Spirit comes along and says, yeah, let, let me help you deal with this. Let me help. We don't, you don't need this in your life. This can be, this can go now. It's not helpful. You don't need it. You're a new creation in Christ. The prayer and the heart cry.